pray with me. Gracious and holy God, we thank you. We thank you that you are our champion. And we also thank you for the gifts that we shared with you this morning, that it be blessed to the glory of your name. Amen. Well, good morning. My name is Patty Connolly, and it's so good to see you this morning. Uh, I understand that the mission team ate at a wonderful barbecue place called Hancock's. And Ed was kind enough to share that with us this morning, including Tommy, who I noticed had a little drool down his face because his wife was saying, no barbecue for Tommy, ever. So Tommy, I'm here to say you, turkey breast is your friend. <laughs> this morning, we're gonna talk about grief. And I know this is a very heavy subject. So if you get anything out of this this morning, you do you. Grief is very personal. And whatever is grief it looks like to you is right for you. Ken and I watched a movie recently while we were on vacation called Wild Oats. And Shirley MacLaine and Jessica Lange are in it. And Shirley MacLaine plays a widow. And when she receives the insurance check, from the life insurance company, it is for a lot more than what it was supposed to be. So she sowed wild oats. But one of the things that caught me was one of the opening scenes. It was after the funeral, they were at Shirley's home and visitors were coming in and they were saying all kinds of helpful things like, he's in a better place and you are so brave. And there is even a realtor there that came through checking out the house. So I was wondering what other well-intentional scriptures you have, or sayings you have heard when you were grieving, such as, I know how you feel. It's for the best. Only the good die young which means a lot of us are in trouble. <laughs> I'm just telling you. At least they didn't suffer. You'll be fine. And my favorite, God wanted more angels in heaven, like he needed more angels. So today's scripture reminds us of David's life when he was grieving. And we've, we're almost through the story of David. We've had his highs, so when, when he slayed Goliath, and when he was crowned king. And we're having his lows. Like last week, we talked about the story of Bathsheba. Excuse me, just a minute. And if you remember what I told you, was that Nathan told David after the Bathsheba problem, was that his house was going to be in chaos. And so it was. So I want to give you a little preface before we read the scripture. Absalom is David's son by one of his wives, Micaiah. Now Absalom has a sister who was sexually assaulted by Absalom's half-brother Amon. When David heard of this, he did nothing about it. He did not punish Amon and he did not act on it. 
So Absalom thought it was his place to take care of the problem, and he killed Amon. In fact, Absalom made it known to everyone that David was such a bad ruler that he sat at the palace gates and told everybody when they came out after their judgment, oh, I would have done this, I would have done better. Now also you need to remember that Absalom was a very charismatic young man. He was very good looking and he had long dark hair. Remember that part. Absalom decided the best thing for him to do was to gather an army and drive David out of Jerusalem, which is what he did. And David went back to the wilderness. Finally, David rises up and sends Joab. Who remembers who Joab was from last week? Kelly does. I know Kelly does. Joab's the one who ordered Uriah killed, Bathsheba's husband. He's the one that said, Uriah, go up here, and whoops, we'll all go back here, so Uriah could be killed. So David tells Joab to go against Absalom, but do not harm Absalom. Do not harm my son. Absalom rides into battle, and that beautiful hair gets caught in a tree. And he's hanging there, much like a pinata. Our old buddy Joab comes along, takes advantage of the situation, and kills Absalom. A messenger has then been sat, sent back to David to tell him the news. And this is where our scripture takes place. I'm reading from 2 Samuel 18, 31 to 19:8. Then the Cushite, who's the messenger, arrived and said, My lord the king, hear the good news. The Lord has vindicated you today by delivering you from the land of all from the hand of all who rose up against you. The king asked the Cushite, Is the young man safe? My son Absalom? The Cushite replied, May the enemies of my lord the king and all who rise up to harm you be like that young man. The king was shaken. He went up to the room over the gateway and wept. As he went, he said, Oh, my son Absalom, my son, my son Absalom, if only I had died instead of you. Oh, Absalom, my son, my son. Joab was told the king is weeping and mourning for Absalom. And for the whole army, the victory that day was turned into mourning because on that day the troops heard it and said, the king is grieving for his son. The men stole into the city that day as men steal in, who are ashamed when they flee from battle. The king covered his face and cried aloud, Oh, my son Absalom, oh, Absalom, my son, my son. Then Joab went into the house to the king and said, Today you have humiliated all your men who have just saved your life and the lives of your sons and daughters and the lives of your wives and concubines. You love those who hate you and hate those who love you. You have made it clear today that the commanders and their men mean nothing to you. I see that you would be pleased if Absalom were alive today 
and all of us were dead. Now go out and encourage your men. I swear by the Lord that you don't go out. Not a man will left, be left with you by nightfall. This will be worse for you than all the calamities that have come on you from your youth till now. So the king got up and took his seat in the gateway. When the men were told, the king is seating, seated in the gateway, they all came before him. The word of God for the people of God. So our good buddy Joab has come to David. Now David is grieving. He and Absalom didn't have the best of relationships, but he is still grieving. And Joab says to him, basically, buck up. You need to get over it. You need to act like a king. And he didn't give him permission to grieve. Reminds me of Job's friends who gave him a lot of friendly advice too. Grief comes in a lot of forms, but I'm gonna limit my remarks this morning to the death of a loved one. So what is grief? Clarissa Mall in her book, Beyond the Darkness, says that grief is an expression of love that remains after the person is gone. She calls it a companion who reminds us that our lives grow around our loss. There remains a myriad of things to celebrate and honor this love in sadness and in joy that can grow over time. Grief affects us physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Grief is a natural response to a loss just the same as joy and sorrow are. And another quote. This is from Matthew Kelly called Life is Messy. Grief doesn't make appointments. Grief is like a bear. It retreats to its cave, sometimes for long periods. And then one day you turn around and discover that bear has crept up behind you. It scares you half to death. The fright re-traumatizes you. It can be crippling. But then the bear wanders back into the cave to hibernate again. When will it return? Nobody knows. Grief doesn't make appointments. Grief may come from a sudden death. This kind of death does not make sense. It's hard to believe. And it really has no chance to say goodbye. When my brother Bill died from an overdose, my first thought was, I'm going to strangle him. He was doing well. He had a job, a beautiful wife. Things were good. And yet this was happened. I was so angry with him, angry with life. And then I was sad. Grief may also come from an anticipated death where the person who has died may have had a long chronic illness or suffered for quite a while. Some say that grieving from an anticipated death is easier, but knowing it in advance doesn't make it any less painful. You may have closure or you may not. Many of you walked this path with a loved one or are walking it now. 
You are watching your loved one suffer, and there is really nothing you can do to make them better. It's painful to watch and painful to deal with. The bottom line is that I think, a quote I saw from Rabbi Earl Grohlman, he's an internationally recognized bereavement counselor, and it says, the worst kind of grief is your own. Again, the worst kind of grief is your own. That being said, we as Christians seem to subscribe to the belief that if we have a strong faith, we don't grieve. We know where our loved one is. This kind of belief actually adds more pain than it relieves. Jesus grieved. Remember when Jesus stood at Lazarus' tomb after he had passed? Scripture doesn't say Lazarus is in a better place. It doesn't say Jesus was stoic. It says Jesus wept just wept. So why do we think we are better or stronger than Jesus? Other myths we are told are a strong person should be able to get through a loss without showing emotion. You'll be pretty much back to normal after two or three months. Crying is a form of weakness. Getting angry at God or asking God difficult questions mean you have a weak faith. And grief processes through very predictable and orderly stages. How many of you remember Elizabeth Kubler-Ross's grief stages? We all had it in college. Well, I'm here to tell you they have decided that's bunk. Grief does not happen in stages. We should allow ourselves to grieve and be empathetic to those who are grieving. We go on with our lives, but the folks who have experienced a loss still need our support as their entire lives have been upended and it's been changed. So let's speak how we can help ourselves to grieve and others to grieve. First be reminded that grief is a response that involves the body and the emotions. So don't be surprised if your body has symptoms and don't be surprised if you experience brain fog. Brain fog is a defense mechanism that your body has so you can cope, so you don't sink into a painful part of your life. It's so you can function. It has been described as not thinking clearly, forgetting things, not cognizant of time. Please be assured this will pass. It is temporary. Grieving folks need to keep eating. Friends, if you want to help folks that are grieved, keep them in meals, and take them out to lunch or dinner long after the funeral's gone. The griever may not be hungry, but they may eat if you are face-to-face -face with them. 
And you know, we as United Methodists are great with casseroles and food, so I can't think of a better fellowship some, than some good old comfort food with someone that's kind of hurting. The griever should take care of their emotional needs. Grief is emotional work and it takes time. You need to surround yourself with good friends. And church, here's where you come in. Companionship is key here. You know, the scriptures tell us when one person in our body hurts, the entire body hurts. This is the time they really need a friend, a listening ear, a kind word. The funeral is not the end of grief, but the beginning of a very long journey without the loved one. Help them to find right coping mechanisms, such as writing, music, artwork, meditation, and prayer. Some people like to do handwork or gardening. Take a class. The Senior Center has lots of classes, and no, you don't have to be a senior to take them. But whatever works for them, and if you're encouraging them to do it, you take a class with them. And can I speak to the folks who are grieving now? Don't be afraid to be yourself before God. You can be angry with God. He's got big shoulders. You can tell God how you truly feel. And God knows this anyway. And in no way abandons you because you verbalize how you are feeling. God can take it. My mom was told after a significant death in her life that God cries first, and then you cry. I really believe that. Learn how to accept how you feel. You may experience multiple feelings such as panic, helplessness, worry, fear, anger, even guilt, and maybe relief. It's okay. It is okay. Remember that in that time, in time, there'll be less, these will be lessened. So just go with it for right now. Give yourself grace. We're not good at that, are we, church? To give ourselves grace. Give yourself grace for the moment, for the day, for however long it takes. So how long does grief last? I think C.S. Lewis, the author of Mere Christianity and Screwtape's Letters, says it best when he said, after his wife died, he lost a love, lo losing a lost one is like amputating a leg. The wound may heal, but it will never grow back. You will have that absence in your life and you will always walk with a limp. In other words, grief does not end, but eventually the intense pain subsides and the future will appear hopeful again. And one more thing to help you to grieve is to join a support group. So with a bunch of compassionate folks, we will be offering grief share here, starting August 29th from 2 to 4 p.m. Grief Share is a 13-week class to help you grieve and share with others as they heal. We will support each other 
and give each other grace each week. John and Lynn Beebe, Marsha Clay, and myself will be leading this. So if you want more information about it, please email me or call the church office. This church, I know, is a supportive group of people who care. And this is another demonstration of how much we love each other. In closing, I tried to think of a funny story to help us laugh because this is such a heavy subject. I thought of the time where my husband, Ken, was performing a funeral in our little rural ch church. And he had to stand behind an open casket. It's out here, open, with a good shot of the loved one. While the funeral director stood there with his video camera and videoed him while he preached. I thought about the time that my grandmother Bennett, this is my dad's mom, got lost after her funeral between <laughs> our small town funeral home and the crematorium. We had the service, we said our goodbyes, and she was to go about 20 minutes from our home to the capital, Charleston, West Virginia, to be cremated. We got word back from the funeral, uh, from the cemetery, that they didn't know where she was. She was lost for a month when, until we found her. <laughs> her ashes were in the basement on a back shelf. Now, to us, the family, that's funny because my dad always said that his mom, my grandmother Bennett, would always get lost going to her funeral. <laughs> and so she did. When my mom called him to tell him the news, I think he couldn't quit laughing because, yes, she did. But then the last thing I would share with you is I remember my dad, and he had a nickname for me. You see, pastoring is my second career. I was a nurse for almost 40 years. And my dad suffered from pulmonary fibrosis, a chronic lung disease. And thanks to my mother's persistence and good nursing care, he outlived his prognosis, how long they expect him to live, by over a year. One day I came in to relieve her, and he was sitting in his easy chair in our family room, and I said, Dad, I fixed you lunch. Come in the kitchen. No, not going to move. Mm -mm, nope, not going to do it. I said, Dad, get up and come to the kitchen. And he looked at me and he said, you know what? You are a nurse from hell. <laughs> then he grinned, gave me a wink, and he got up out of that chair. Well, the family caught hold of it and called me the nurse from hell. Do you ever have a five-year-old tell you, Mom, you're the nurse from hell? <laughs> well, my dad has been gone almost 30 years. And six months after... He called me that. He sent me flowers on Nurses' Day. And it said to my favorite nurse from hell, I still have the basket. I still have the card. 
And yes, after 30 years, the family still calls me the nurse from hell. <laughs> so this morning, we are going to share communion as a family. Communion in the United Methodist Church is open to anyone who would like to share in a meal with us. And we will have folks at the kneelers. Jan and Rodney will be over here. And Kelly and Sam will be over here. And if you'd like to come and pray and just talk to God about your grief, what you're carrying, you are welcome to do so after you receive communion. So closing, I want to show you this quote. If you could put it on the screen for me. From Rabbi Grohlman, again, who says, grief is not a disorder, a disease, or a sign of weakness. It is an emotional, physical, and spiritual necessity, the price you pay for love. The only cure for grief is to grieve. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Will you pray with me? Gracious and holy God, there are many times our hearts are heavy, but we know you love us. You know, we know you care for us, and we know you walk with us. So we give our griefs to you, that you may Soothe our hearts, comfort our minds and bodies, and let us know that you are with us. We ask you to join us as we serve communion to our church family. Amen.